Thank you for that beautiful song. Boy, isn't that wonderful? He loved us, that's why he came. That's the reason. Why else would he do it? Take your Bible tonight, please. Open to the book of Galatians. I have a very different passage of Scripture uh, to use as a Christmas message. It's going to be a very simple message tonight. Um, if you go to Galatians and uh, chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to get you to help me to read. There's four verses that, um, that we'll be um, reading. So when you have Galatians chapter 6 open, would you stand to your feet? If, you, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me, please? And we'll be reading from verse 7 to verse 10. Verse 7 to verse 10. Now, two of these verses are going to seem strange, and two of these verses you might get sort of the idea of where we're going. So let's begin in verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. 
and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Well, tonight we're going to talk about eight gifts that won't cost you a penny. Eight gifts that won't cost you a penny. Boy, that ought to be good news. Uh, I've read and heard the, the following quote, and I think it, the words have changed depending on who quotes it, but it goes something like this, do all the good you can to all of the people you can all the time you can. There's different variations of that, but essentially it's do all the good you can to all the people you can all the time you can. And I'd like to add to that by saying, especially unto them who are the household of faith. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at eight gifts that won't cost you a penny. Let's begin with prayer. Our Father, once again, we humble ourselves before your throne. We acknowledge, Lord, that we uh, are not where we really want to be. We're far from perfect, and we're all in that mending process, but that's okay. Thank you for your patience with us when we stumble and fall, when we let you down, when we let opportunities slip through our fingers. Thank you that you're the God of the second chance and that you love us still. Our Father, help us to be very serious about our relationship with you and our short time on earth. And we pray that you'd please uh, encourage us tonight with these uh, few thoughts and scriptures and that uh, it would help prepare us uh, for uh, celebrating the birth of our Savior. Help us, Lord, to put far more attention on Jesus than on anything else at this time of year. And we pray that uh, our unsaved family members or neighbors or friends might see the difference and might see how much Jesus means to us. Lord, use us, we pray, to let our light shine in a, a very dark world. And, it, and Lord, we're told that we just had our, our longest night, our darkest night, I think yesterday or something. But uh, the world is definitely darker than that. So please use us to uh, reach others with the gospel. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you like to take notes, then I'll give you a couple. I want to give you eight gifts that won't cost you a cent. Gift number one, the gift of listening. The gift of listening. You know, in many a marriage, a very common phrase is this. You're not listening. That's a very common phrase in many marriages, families, and amongst the parents and children as well. You're not listening. And so give the gift of listening. Now, when you do, you must really listen. That's important. Uh, no interruptions when the person is speaking. No daydreaming while the person is speaking. No planning on your response and what you're going to say while they're speaking. Just listening. You know, that'll, that'll help a lot. That'll uh, fix a lot of problems if we just give the gift of listening. Number two is the gift of affection. The gift of affection. Now, this is um, 
proven over and over in uh, sociological studies, but children that have grown up with uh, more um, expression of love by the parents seem to grow up m more stable. And what I'm talking about is um, uh, the family hugging one another, uh, appropriate kisses in the family, uh, pats on the back, hand holding is good. Now I know that some of these things you have to be sensitive. When my kids were very young, I'd hold their hand, they'd love it, but as they got older, they didn't want dad holding their hand anymore. Uh, even today, you know, when my kids are in their 30s, I just can't seem to, to get to hold their hand anymore. That's, that's gone. Just a little poor humor there, but you get the idea, the gift of affection. Let these small little actions demonstrate uh, the love you have for your family and friends. Now, I hasten also to say that some people don't like to be touched. And so we, we have to understand that and respect that. Um, amongst Christians, um, we have to be careful about uh, these holy kisses, you know. <laughs> the Bible talks about greet one another with a holy kiss. That was good 2,000 years ago in that economy. There are still a few places in the world where that can be done uh, appropriately. Uh, but I'm not sure that uh, North America is one of them. I think that we show our affection a little bit different. We uh, greet one another with a holy handshake. Um, just something to keep in mind. But as far as the family goes, I think that it's very appropriate that um, um, there be some uh, hugging and pats on the back and things like that. And so that won't cost you a penny, will it? There's a gift that won't cost you a cent, and it'll go a long, long way, too. All right, number three, the gift of laughter. There's something that some of our homes could use a lot more of, is the gift of laughter. As you uh, come across a funny little cartoon or something, what you could do is clip that and share that. Uh, or I guess these days, you take a picture of it with your cell phone, and then you tweet that, or whatever you do with it, you know, to, to share it. Share articles and funny stories. Uh, we need a little more uh, lightheartedness, I think, uh, in some of our homes and families. Nothing wrong with a little bit of humor, uh, even in the house of the Lord. Uh, we don't want to get the stained glass stuck in our throats hmm, when we come into God's house. I think that um, uh, a little gift of laughter it will say, uh, you know, uh, I love to laugh with you. Now, in fact, I brought some with me, if you don't mind. Um, I want to read for you uh, two or three uh, very short little uh, letters to God by children. And so Lucy writes, Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? Now, you're allowed to laugh at these. No rolling in the aisles, please. Here's Anita who says, Dear God, is it true my daddy won't get in heaven if he uses his football language in the house. <laughs> and uh, little Jane writes, Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you already have now? <laughs> and finally, little Neil wrote, Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? 
I have a cute story for you. I gotta share this. Uh, a father asked his little boy what he wanted for Christmas. And the little boy replied, a baby sister. Well, it just so happens that his wife was pregnant and she was due right around the Christmas time and she gave birth and sure enough, it was right on Christmas day and it was a little girl. And uh, the little boy was so amazed, he was just beside himself with joy. As they brought home his little sister, he got what he asked for. Well, a year later, his father said to him, son, what would you like for Christmas? And so he said, well, if it won't cause mummy too much trouble, I'd like a puppy this time. <laughs> so a little bit of humor, I think, uh, can go a long way. All right, uh, gift number four. Boy, we're flying through these, aren't we? Gift number four is, uh, is precious. It's the gift of a written note. You know, that's becoming a lost art, a dying art these days, is actually taking a pen and a paper and writing. Um, we have now artificial intelligence that we hold up our little device and we speak to it and it records everything we want. Would you like to send that now? Yes, send, boom, gone. And... Uh, a pen, what's that? <laughs> well, uh, the gift of a written note, it can be a simple thanks for the help, or it maybe it'll be a full uh, poem or a sonnet or some, something like that, but a brief handwritten note can be remembered for a lifetime. It can go a long way. Now that's something that I learned many years ago, and here in this church, Whenever I know of someone's birthday, they get a birthday card from me. And if they're uh, 12 years of age and under, I put a toonie in the card for them too. And so um, hopefully they'll use that money wisely, uh, invest it, you know, in real estate or, <laughs> or whatever kids do with, uh, with their money. But uh, birthdays and anniversaries, uh, I write hundreds of cards every year and it's a joy to do that, and they're all handwritten. I know I would prefer getting that, getting a handwritten note. It means a little more to me than something mimeographed, you know, and I just get another <laughs> So uh, handwritten notes can go a long way, and you don't have to make them big and long, but just something, you know, short and sweet. By the way, there's also a place for texts as well. Sending a little text or a little email can go a long way. Now, speaking about emails, if you have not yet emailed your missionary, would you do it as a Christmas gift? How about that? Uh, you've all adopted missionaries. We had 67 missionaries. We got them all adopted out. So you've all adopted a missionary. Have you contacted your missionary? Have you written a little note to them? An email will do and just say, hi, Merry Christmas, and tell them who you are and tell them you're going to be praying for them every day. So this is a little reminder there for you. Okay, let's move on to the, the next gift. And uh, this one actually follows on the tails of, of the gift of a written note, but it's the gift of a compliment. The gift of a compliment. Now the compliment ought to be simple but sincere. No one likes cheap flattery, no one. Um, how about this? You look great in red. That's a little compliment. How about this one? You did a super job. That's a nice little compliment, short and sweet. Uh, or maybe, hey, that was a wonderful meal. Can we have it again someday? That's a nice compliment, isn't it? 
And so just a simple little compliment. Um, people are serving the Lord. You know, a little compliment will go a long way. When the choir sings, you ought to show your appreciation, not with a standing, you know, ovation and applause and, you know, bouquets of flowers, but with a simple amen. That's great, you know. And that would be an encouragement to the choir or to special music or to anyone who's serving in, in the church. How about uh, the snack providers? How about a little compliment for them? The nursery workers, the Sunday school teachers, the ushers, the security, the sound booth people are totally forgotten. You know, we wouldn't have lights and sound and things up here if it wasn't for the uh, sound booth uh, men and women who work there. And so a little compliment can go a long way. So that won't cost you anything. All right, let's move on. Uh, this one is interesting. It's uh, the gift of a favor. The gift of a favor. And that means going out of your way and doing something kind. You say, like what? Well, you could uh, run to open a car door for someone. You could pause for a few seconds and open a, open a door for someone at a store, maybe. Or maybe uh, here at church. I have noticed, I, I watch how people come into church, and I see some people who will try and hold the door for others, and I see people who walk right through and forget that, that there are people behind them. And the funny thing is that it can be their mom or dad right behind them, and they walk right into church and just let the door close, let old mom have to open the door for herself. Well, that doesn't sound too good. So... Um, there's, a, there's a, a, a little uh, service we can do, a little favor we can do. I think as much as possible, this is my opinion only, I think that uh, married men ought to open the door for their wives. Well, they're perfectly capable of opening the door for themselves. Yeah, I heard you think that, yeah. But uh, boy, it would, it would show a little uh, manly and chivalry, chivalry. Is that, did I say that word right? Shiv shivering, chivalry. The knight in shining armor sort of thing. You know, a lot of men, they go out of their way to win their wife. Yes, they do. They uh, open the car door, you know. Where are we going? Well, we're going to go for, to a restaurant, so, you know, dress up real nice. Where are we going? It's a surprise. Oh, she's excited. He's got all planned out. And then he opens the car door for her, and they get there, and he parks. He doesn't drive like, like a maniac. He drives, you know, he doesn't want to scare her. And he gets there and he pulls in, he opens the car door, he escorts her in, holds the chair at her table. And then after they get married, they're going to go someplace. So they run down to the car and he right away runs around to his side and lets her get in uh, on his side and lets her get in on her side. And a lot of that stuff that won her heart is all by the wayside. Those are little favors that we ought to pick up on. A little bit of marriage counsel going on here. Hope you don't mind. We teach this in marriage counseling, marriage seminars, and things like that. And so uh, the gift of a favor. Share your umbrella with someone if it's raining. How about that? You know, a nice little favor that we try to do here around the church is uh, we have what we call the umbrella brigade. And it's usually our uh, teenage boys who help us with this. Sometimes the men get involved. But we've got half a dozen big golf umbrellas that we put at the front door so that when it's raining that our young guys can run and escort people to the door without getting wet. Hey, tell you what, when the Lord gives us uh, a chunk of land and a building, let's build a big awning 
out the front door and put the, uh, the driveway right up under that. How does that sound? Yes, I like that, yeah? And then uh, we can let the crowd out and then go park. And we'll, maybe we'll give you an umbrella when you go to park. <laughs> All right, well, just a, a gift of a favor. Won't cost you anything. Number, now we're just about done here, number seven. This is an interesting one, but it's one that we sometimes don't think about. It's the gift of solitude, the gift of being alone. There are times when people want nothing better than just to be left alone. That happens. And it requires a little sensitivity. Uh, we need to be sensitive to those times when people feel that way, and we need to give them the solitude, uh, of, uh, the, the gift of being alone. Be ready just to give people a little bit of space. Um, you could combine gift number six of a favor with gift number seven of solitude, and you could offer to babysit the kids so that mom and dad can go out for a much-needed date together. That would be a nice gift, a wonderful gift. And that brings us to number eight, is um, the gift of a cheerful disposition. How about that? Uh, as has been said by uh, many better preachers than I, a lot of Christians look like they've been baptized in prune juice. <laughs> you know, and we sing, uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so um, the gift of a cheerful disposition goes a long way. Uh, the easiest way to feel good is to extend a kind word to someone. And really, it's not that hard to say, hello, how are you? It's not that hard at all. Uh, in church on Sunday mornings, we try to encourage a little of that with um, a time of saying hi, good morning, and shaking a couple of hands. Now, I know that can be overdone. I know some churches, they really plow the, the minutes and minutes in that, and people are walking all around, up on the platform and everything. And uh, if that's what they, the church wants to do, that's their prerogative, God bless them. But we have found that if we keep it a little on the shorter side, it's better. So a little bit of spice, not a bucket full of it, I suppose. I read something interesting uh, that psychologists down in the University of California made an interesting discovery about smiling. And they discovered that if you smile, it will reduce your sensation of pain. And they tested this on people by giving them needles. Now, not many people like to get needles, so they called for volunteers, and I don't know if they had to pay them or whatever, but they uh, made some tests, and some of the people, they took two chopsticks and stuck them in their, their face to force them to smile. And they, they were sort of tricked into smiling without realizing it, and they put sensors on their body to measure their response as the needles were stuck into them. And they found on average that the smilers experienced 40% less pain. How does that grab you? And of course, you've heard it said that it takes far less muscles to smile than to frown. You've heard that, I'm sure, yeah. And you've also, if you're part of Soul Winners University, you know we teach smiling. That's part of Soul Winners University. And we learned that children 
uh, especially more babies, smile 400 times a day. And by the time they get to adulthood, it's more like four times a day. What happened? <laughs> Maybe we, uh, we saw too much of the bad side of life or something, too many discouraging things, I don't know. But I do know this, smiling is a universal language. You can smile in English, and you can smile in French, and the Frenchman and the Englishman will understand each other just fine. You can go to any part of the whole world, uh, to deepest, darkest, or brightest, highest. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, whatever tribe or nation or tongue or people. If you smile at them, they know what that means. And so the gift of a cheerful disposition. Now, a smile costs you nothing, but it'll really help somebody. It really will, including yourself. Now, the truth is, these eight gifts that don't cost a cent. Now, we just finished reading, uh, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so if we start sowing these eight gifts, we're going to start reaping the eight as well. Now, you're in chapter 6. Turn back to chapter 5, if you would, please. And I like to think that um, these two verses, 22 and 23, sort of tie in a little, at least a little bit in spirit with what we talked about here tonight. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Say, why would he say that? Because he wrote Galatians uh, to the uh, churches in Galatia who had been fooled into thinking they had to go back and adopt some of the laws of Moses in order to uh, maintain their salvation. Listen, anyone who tells you that you have to do these certain things in order to stay saved, they need to read the book of Galatians. So that's very important. Uh, so anyhow, these two verses here, uh, they talk about nine different items, and it's all called fruit. Um, someone said that it's used in the singular. It's all one. It's produced by the, the same person, and that's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able and wants to produce that fruit in your life and my life. Wouldn't it be great to get up every day and go through every day with this kind of life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go through each and every day that way? Well, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so there's a little bit of sowing and reaping there. And so why don't we decide in our hearts tonight that we're going to start giving away some cheap gifts? <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek humor there. I mean gifts that don't cost a cent. They may be cheap on the one hand, but they're very valuable on the other. So you can practice tonight. We can practice on each other a smile. We can practice a little handshake and good to see you and a Merry Christmas. We can practice that, can't we? Yes? You're not nodding the right way. <laughs> Some of you, your eyes are closed. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, long day. It's been a good day, though, yeah. It's been a good day. 
So if we sow these things, we will reap. And uh, the scriptures told us, uh, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we what? Faint not. And then, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. There's that do all the good you can to all the people you can all the time you can. Especially unto them who are the household of faith. Let us treat one another like how Jesus treats us. Let's treat one another with kindness and respect and love and honor because the world treats us rotten. And so let's treat one another with kindness and love. All right, let's close our eyes and we'll have a word of prayer.